Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now age of radio and you're gonna and and for for science for research, you will have to lay with a squatch female. <laughs> you're just gonna have to do it. What if uh, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to raw dog it too? Because we got to see how comparable our DNA is. We got to right. see if you could produce an offspring. As long as you film it, That's it. and we can sell it on OnlyFans, it'll be our OnlyFans uh, <laughs> big <laughs> release. <our> only <laughs> Jay lays with squatch woman. <laughs> Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. Let's start the show. Get over here! Welcome. You're here to compete in Mortal Kombat. Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Deadliest of enemies. Put slaves under my power. Doing her job. When I want backup, I'll radio for it. I'll give you a break. Okay. Enough! Is that all you've got, sorcerer? You will die. I'm not afraid of my destiny. Face it. Uh uh-uh. uh. I don't think so. Finish him. Welcome to Movie Cocktail. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Dave. I'm your other co host, Super Movie Brother Jay. Since yes. I didn't really participate too much in this cocktail, you did not. I'm the co host. This yeah, evening. you're still recording remotely, uh, so yes. you're your co-host on this. Uh, but I did, I did come up with a cocktail over the weekend, and we got a movie that's coming out next week that we're going to be doing a review for. It we're both you know, pretty excited for the James Wan produced Mortal Kombat. Sure, and we have a movie that came out in 1995. That me and you are absolutely oh, in love with. How could the video game series that I myself am absolutely in love with? We got the 1995 Mortal Kombat that we're going to do a movie cocktail for, but. Before we get into the drink itself, Jay, first time you saw this movie, man, what did what, what, you think then? What do you think now? Wow. You know, this movie, you know, this whole franchise has such a an interesting place in my life because I was primo, and, and pretty much you were too, primo age for this to sell to in such yeah, a nostalgic kind of way. Yeah, 95, I was like 10, you were like 12, <clears throat> like... Exactly, you know, Made and and I, this was like on the cusp of like right when I got my first 
Sega Genesis. And yeah, I had I to go say, over I, my I buddy's house in order to play it because I didn't have the system and my, my parents would never have me allowed, you know, allowing me to play something like that. And it was just this, this mystique of it all. And Dude, when we were this. able to Ready? play Ready? it, it was just unbelievable. My Sega Genesis was bought for me by my grandmother. And the first game I got for it was bought was bought for me by my uncle, my dad's brother, who's 18 years younger than him. So NBA he's only, Jam. <laughs> he's only slightly older than than my brother. He bought he bought me Mortal Kombat. And like inside of the case that like I could open it up inside the case, he wrote down the blood code. A B A C A B B. Still remember it to this oh, day. A B A C A B B. And he says, put it in uh, when the story starts on the start menu, and you'll get the blood code. And like he wrote me a letter, and he put it in there for me. So like, what a cool uncle got a Sega Genesis, Mortal Kombat, first game I ever played on on my uh, on my Sega Genesis. So you hooked. lucky bastard, hooked. Yeah. Then I got into NBA Jam and 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 a, a, a bunch of more games for the Sega Genesis. Yeah. But, for me, I was like Aladdin. NBA jams, Sonic. I had all the fucking PG <laughs> games. Can't buy a bucket. Yeah. To this day, uh, when I play retro video games, NBA jams, the only one you can kind of hold your own. Uh, with yeah. Me at. Yeah. 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 We, we've had some bouts. That is true. That, that is muscle true. memory. It don't go away. It don't go away. <laughs> yeah. You know, I guess because I mean, granted, I haven't. My only system I ever had was Sega Genesis, everybody. So, like, I had a very short-lived video game career. <laughs> so, certainly a little dusty when I was uh, um, trying to break out the Sonic, or not the Sonic, the NBA Jam skills on the on the Sega again. It was really a lot of fun to play. I really want to rematch, by the way. Hey, um, I still got the system. Yeah. It's still here. Yeah, I'm, I'm still got the game. It yeah. didn't go nowhere. So, we'll have to do that. But... Again, Mortal Kombat, and then when this movie fucking came out, still highly impressionable, but at the same time, it had the perfect nuance, not nuance so much, but the, the audacity and the balls and the boldness and clarity of what you envisioned in your own brain of a, what a real-life Mortal Kombat would be like. And it was right, literally yeah. put to you on screen in all its glory. I mean, I love it. I still love it. It still holds up for me, personally, because it's like... The nostalgia well, so that's, bomb. That's that that that's my thought, right? Like I was in love with Mortal Kombat then. I had like the first three video games uh for, for Sega Genesis, Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat 2, Mortal Kombat 3. I knew I knew the whole story, I knew everyone's moves, I knew everyone's finishers and stuff like that. Like I was in on it. The movie comes out, I think, right after Mortal Kombat 2 had come out. Uh so of course I'm in. I saw it in the drive-in movie theater with my parents, and my parents were just like whatever this is like fun i guess and like for me i was like what are you talking about fun this, this is the is, greatest is movie <laughs> yeah. of all time yeah right now yeah i know <laughs> like to me i then. know to me then i couldn't explain it it was just un- it was unbelievable it was really yeah. it was incredible i loved it i loved it and i don't think anybody would ever ever understand that unless you were around our age no, I think I, I think plenty of people understand that. I think plenty of people understand the fact that like like we get we have Mark who normally does movie cocktail with us, and uh, once we're all vaccinated, he will be coming back. But what I'm saying is, he's in love with Street Fighter and stuff like that. Like he loves the Street Fighter movie, right? Um, you know, I mean, you think about people that are our age that like that that are nostalgic for for like Monster Squad and um, you know Lost Boys and like all those movies from the '80s and stuff like that. Like it goes right hand in hand with this with us, where it's like it's, it does. 
it, you know, or it, 90s we are kids, nostalgic so, for it. You know, a lot of 90s things are near and dear to our hearts. Exactly. Watching it when we were kids, it was a flawless movie. It's exactly what we thought a live action Mortal Kombat would look like in our heads, and they put it on screen for us. They did. As we got older, though, I mean, there was probably a period of time where I probably couldn't have given a flying fuck about this movie. I would say, like, in my late teens, all the way through, like, my mid 20s and stuff like that. Sure. But then, like, I, you know, I streaming services it was on netflix for a while it, it just left hbo go um it's been or hbo max uh and, and it's been it's been in different places but i've rewatched it a bunch of times now i own it on blu-ray and i'm just like it's not flawless but i love it now for its flaws like it's bad but it's not yeah. that bad like it's a ton of fun yeah um it's no it's no mortal Kombat annihilation which is absolutely awful but we weren't alone in loving it, Jay, because when this movie opened, it was at the top of the box office and it made $23 million, which was uh, eight times more than God the previous damn. release of that year, which was The Babysitter's Club. <laughs> and it stayed at the number one in the box office for a three-week run. Good not for that. That's the U.S. box office, though, not international. And I mean, when, when, when I heard this, it made complete sense to me as a kid. I didn't know this, but knowing this now, sure. That first off, the producers saw it as it was great timing. They did. They 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 really struck as the iron was still hot. Yeah. The so so the producers saw it as as Enter the Dragon meets Star Wars. Like that's the way like the producers sold it. Right. It's you have this whole world and this pantheon that you can build on. It's a it feels lived in. Like you know, no one says the name Goro and Snickers. No one says Outworld and Snickers and stuff like that. You just go with it. Right. And they mentioned throughout the film that that this is the tenth tournament and Outworld has won the tournament nine other times. If Outworld wins now, it gets to take over all of it gets to take over Earth realm and stuff like that and people are delivering these lines without any snickering or anything like that and it doesn't sound cheesy it just sounds like the world like that you're just buying into it because the character is buying into it the script is buying into it and it's just unabashed but the the premise for the film the way ws anderson uh, paul ws anderson saw it was that this was enter the dragon with these characters like that that was the idea it was enter the dragon like mm-hmm. he, even in enter the dragon bruce lee and the other fighters they go to the tournament on on a boat right like just like the characters do here in in this movie and it's a tournament three main characters fighting the bad guys essentially until they get to the end and they fight the old wizard the old the, the you know the old master uh shang song so uh it's it's very much enter the dragon but put into the Mortal Kombat world because uh, you know, they, they talked about how scripts for this movie originally were going to be very much the same story for the video game and they saw they, they found out pretty quickly like that's not going to work we kind of have to simplify it a little bit but we can still have that world and we can still world build but we can't quite just dive right in and explain the fact that we have you know zombie uh ninjas that can you know take off their mask and breathe fire out of a skull like we're not gonna have time to explain that like that's just that just is a thing (laughs) you're just gonna have to go with it (laughs) and and don't question it just go with it (laughs) and we're gonna throw you a muppet at and you point, will has, go for it. Yeah, you will has go four with it. arms, and he's going to be taken out by a nut punch. <laughs> and 
you're going to go with it. You oh, just got to go with it. And everybody did. Everybody did. It was, it was the biggest movie at the time. Not only was it the biggest movie at the time, it was the biggest album at the time as well. So, like, I mean, at the time, the album, which, you know, obviously the, it did so well because of uh, of the song that was done by that was done by the immortals the name of the song was called techno syndrome parentheses mortal combat and we all know that one test your might mortal combat they made it the number one album <laughs> so, so sick yeah, it was. But no, I think it holds up today mainly for the nostalgia of it. Like, I think if you are, I would say, like, late teens, 20s, maybe, and you pop this on, you, had, you, you hadn't watched this when you were a kid, you put this on now, you might be like, what fucking garbage is this? And, it like, and then I would just say to you, that's the best we could do at the time. Shut up. <laughs> this is the best we could yeah. do. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not a gamer, so not one to really talk, but I, I, I think people would understand that, hopefully. For sure, for sure. So let's get into this cocktail that I made this time around. So this cocktail just kind of came together. It was something that I was kind of playing with. I, I mean, one of my favorite cocktails is a whiskey sour. So I always talk about making whiskey sours. There's a proper way to make a whiskey sour. There's, you know, uh, different ways. This is definitely not the proper way. Although I I do make sure that I have, you know, some, some properness to it, (laughs) some some pomp to it. Uh, So this is Scorpion's sweet and sour whiskey. Mm. So, uh, this is one ounce of single malt whiskey. In this case, I used you can use uh, I, I used McKellen for the first time I did it. I actually like McKellen enough that like I drink it straight, so I didn't want to continue using it. So I switched to Glenfiddich. But anyway, it's any single malt whiskey. If you want to use Scotch, you want to be fancy, you can. One ounce of bourbon this time. I used Bullet Bourbon, and then one ounce of lemon juice, and then you're gonna mix that in three quarter ounces of maple syrup. Put in a pinch of brown sugar, a dash of cinnamon. Egg white from one large egg, three dashes of bitter. Put that in your shaker, shake over ice, and pour into a tumbler with a whiskey ball or with the ice that was in your that was in your uh, cocktail mixer in your shaker. And uh, I garnished it with a lemon peel scorpion <laughs> because I love it. I could. It looks so good. <laughs> And so, I guarantee you, I'm going to make it myself. So Jay was Jay was a little was was a little off, you know, with, with it when I showed it to when when I gave him the ingredients because he was like a whole ounce of lemon juice, huh? Uh, you know, but it's it is a sweet and sour. the The maple syrup and the brown sugar and and the cinnamon are offsetting that big punch of of lemon sour. However, it still is sour. It just has a little bit of like a sweet note at the top. And and most of your sweetness, most of that most of that brown sugar and most of that of that um, cinnamon that's in it gets kind of like caught up in the broth in, in the in the froth that the egg white makes. So when you drink it, which you can help like, balance it out though as well. It does. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of cool cuz like your first taste is a little sweet. Then obviously you take the sip, everything is sour, and then at the end you lick your lips and it's sweet again. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so and, everybody, and, there's a there's a little bit of a mixture of reasons why I didn't really formulate that kind of cocktail because I I just you know didn't want to drink tonight, but also I still don't really have a good sense of taste and smell. 
So I didn't really think that I could even try this cocktail and really give you guys my own impression on it properly <laughs> because, you know, I wouldn't be able to get all those flavors like I should. And I guarantee you I will do this cocktail review at some point. I mean, I dig it. I dig it. I, I've been drinking them all weekend. I had a couple over the weekend. Yeah. I tweaked I'm the intrigued. recipe a few times. Yeah. And then I got to this current one that we have now. And I think that I think this is the best one. I did it without bitters. I, I still like having the bitters in there because I think they also they, they, they punch up the 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 lemon uh like peel, you know, the, the lemon smell, the oily, the, the the lemon oil smell and stuff like that. And smell is highly you know necessary for, for a is, lot of cocktails especially for cocktails um, yeah and it, it also does take a little bit of that sour out too um so it's just it's just a marriage of, of of the sweet and sour which is something i wanted to do because scorpion as a character starts off as as a bad guy and then he's a not so bad guy you find yeah. out he has a tortured past and stuff like that and in the current games scorpion is a good guy so um i i he's also like he's also like my main guy like every time i played you know back back a that's how you get over here that's how you threw the spear in the original game um and then you, uh, I think it's back forward, back A, and you do you would do the uh, you would do the teleportation and stuff like that for the original Sega Genesis game. So um, Scorpion was like my main guy. Him and Sub Zero, I always played as this guy. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, if Jay, when his taste buds return, can come up with something that is Sub Zero themed. I will certainly do my best. That's a I challenge to you, my friend. Something that's Sub Zero themed. So th- I encourage you guys to check it out i will definitely put up pictures of of the cocktail result on uh super movie bros instagram and on my own instagram and i'll give you guys the recipe uh i would love for you guys to try it check it out and then uh get back to us let us know what you think of it if there's any tweaks that you would make to it personally let us know uh but jay let's get into this movie itself Itself. I mean, we, we all know. I mean, it's it's really a simple story, right? Like, it is. It's very much a simple story. You know, we, we we assemble we assemble our cast of characters: our Liu Kang, our Johnny Cage, our our Sonya Blade are brought together uh, through the machinations of Raiden and uh, the nefarious dealings of one Kano uh, that kind of brings them all together, and they all kind of get like shanghaied into coming onto this boat uh, that's going to ferry them uh, very far away uh, uh, to to a, a mystical island that sits somewhere on Earthrealm, but is kind of like this in-between of Earthrealm and Outworld, and they're going to fight in a tournament. You know, Sonya has major beef with uh, with Kano because he's some sort of like international arms dealer, somewhat terrorist and stuff like that. And right. she works for some unnamed clandestine organization that is loosely tied to the United States government, I guess. I don't know. Johnny Cage is an actor. Liu Kang is a monk, right? Like Liu Kang's the only one who's in on what's going on. Uh, Johnny Cage doesn't really know what's going on. Sonya mm-hmm. doesn't know what's going on. But Liu Kang is a monk, and he's essentially trained for this his entire life. And his brother was in the last tournament and was killed 
by Shang Tsung. So he's out for revenge. And they go off to this to this island and they begin to fight. You know, uh, like right away, we, we meet Sub Zero and Scorpion on there. They in in this role, they, they don't really get into their well. They're all fighters. Here. They're all fighters. They're all killers. It's a mixture. It's a mixed bag of of people, right. and they're there and, for different have, variety of reasons to fight. You know, for this. I I don't think this movie tournament. ever really gets gets into its bad guys enough. Like I want to know more about Shang Tsung. Like after watching this, like I really do. Um, I, I wish they got, they, they had the time to get into, to get into sub zero and scorpions backstory. They just kind of mention their backstory very briefly. You know, at one point, um, Shang Tsung mentions it. It's like, it's one throwaway line. And if you're not paying attention, if you're not a video game fan, you didn't know their story from the video game, you miss it. Um, so I kind of wish like we got to flush them out a little bit more. It's definitely obviously in the, in the movie, that's going to be coming out next week uh the james wan produced one they are going to be getting into their backstory i mean that that kind of seems like actually the 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 um, a major plot point of the movie will be getting into scorpion and sub-zero's uh past and stuff like that which i think is perfect but you know they they're there and they they obviously get into these fights and i just want to talk about some of the coolest fights that that, that they have here like the first fight like where uh luke kang fights the guy with the uh bow staff you know the the guy that looks like jacked up urkel with dreadlocks and <laughs> uh and then for some reason he does like that lion roar where he's like like as he looks at luke kang i i really enjoy that fight and then of course luke kang whoops that guy's ass and uh you know he refuses to kill him because presumably Liu Kang decided to go to a tournament called Mortal Kombat and thought that he would get away with not killing anybody. So then Shang Tsung just kind of like walks up, your soul is mine. And then Sonya Sonya fights Sonya fights Kano and he has that wonderful line like, oh, come on love, give me a break. <laughs> okay, and snaps his neck. Liu Kang fights he fights Sub-Zero, he takes the bucket of water, throws it when Sub-Zero throws his ice blast, and and that 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 match is over. <laughs> and Johnny Cage fights Scorpion, and this this fight was actually interesting because they they showed the movie to test audiences, Johnny Cage's fight with Scorpion, and it was much shorter. A lot of the fights were very short. Paul Anderson, Paul W.S. Anderson didn't know how to, this was his mm-hmm. first major motion picture. He didn't know how to film action. He didn't know how to film fight scenes. So he did a lot of quick fights that were very close up. So when they showed it to test audiences, they were like, yeah, you know, it's good, but there wasn't like a lot of fighting. I mean, presumably you will have some fights in this movie, right? Hello? It's called Mortal Kombat. So they they did a bunch of reshoots for it. And one of the one of the fights that got reshot was Johnny Johnny Cage and Scorpion's fight, which is why, you know, they go from they go from the island to Outworld to the Netherworld where Scorpion was from. Um, and he pulls his mask off and does the fire and stuff like that. That's why there's so many different set pieces for that fight was because it was all done in pickup shots. So they had to move them around and finally uh. they didn't have enough for for the full fight. So they had to put them in a with a fully CGI rendered background in the Netherworld where where Scorpion uh, you know, cause his home and stuff like that when he pulls his mask off and breathes fire and stuff. So, it, it, you know, it wasn't it, this movie wasn't wasn't the gem that we know and love right off the bat. <laughs> uh, and then Johnny fights uh, Goro, which is a you know, a flawless victory. Uh, Johnny one of the, one of the cool moves that he does in the game is he does a split 
And I yeah. don't think this move came in until the second game, but it may have been in the first. He does a split, punches Goro in the balls. <laughs> like right off the bat. Don't move. Again. It's great. Split. It's dope. It's funny. It's just, it's a good, cool, it was old school way of like, I don't know. Especially the in the split. 90s, like the split thing. Ugh. The split and the punch in the nuts comes in later on when we talk more about Jean-Claude Van Damme. And then you know, he leads him to that cliff and causes Goro to fall off. <laughs> and Goro dies. He trips him, he falls off, and Goro dies. And um, if you notice, Liu Kang doesn't have any of his powers from the video game until he goes to Outworld. And then he's able to do the bicycle kick. He's able to throw the firebolt from his hands and stuff like he did in the game, but not on Earth Realm. Only in Outworld is he able to do that. Shang Tsung kidnaps Sonya and takes her to Outworld. In the original script, it was supposed to be Katana, but they cut her out. So, <laughs> so he takes her to Outworld, and uh, Johnny and Liu Kang have to follow. They go through the portal, and that's where we get a character who wasn't in the original script either, Reptile. Reptile mm. shows up, has his fight with Liu Kang. Liu Kang does the bicycle kicks, all that good stuff, and it comes down to the final battle, just like it would in the video game, Liu Kang versus Shang Tsung, and that's where we get all the powers, and that's where we get the pit everyone's favorite level from Mortal Kombat 1 and 2, the pit. Sure. If, if, if you won on the pit and you had the blood code on on Sega Genesis, you could do the uppercut. Oh, the person would go flying stuff. off the pit, fall all the way down, land on a bed of spikes. Blood would just be... <laughs> splurting all over. And then you get the... The blood dripping from the from the fatality at the end. Uh, so uh, the the day is won. They all go back. They celebrate very much like Star Wars at the end. After Shang Tsung's defeated, they're they're walking uh, at, at the monk's temple and stuff like that. And you almost feel like they're like like you know Johnny Cage and Liu Kang are going to stand up on the podium and Sony is going to put medals on them <laughs> and Goro will be there just going very much like Star Wars. <laughs> but they get interrupted by Shao Kahn, evil emperor of Outworld, who is now declaring war on Earthrealm. And that's where the movie ends. And do we get a sequel? Fuck yes, we do get a sequel. Did we want that sequel? Fuck yes, we wanted that sequel. But you can't always get what you want. But sometimes you get what you didn't deserve and they punish you. <laughs> and they beat you with a sequel that's fucking we, we had We had too much of a good thing on the first one. Too much of a good thing. And sometimes you get a sequel that gives you Sector and Cyrax, but they're really just stuntmen wearing hockey pads. Because <laughs> that's essentially what we got. They cut the budget. They lost most of the actors. They had a cobbled together script and they, they just kind of loosely put it out there and they were just like, there we go. There's a sequel. Y'all wanted. How is it? And it's like dog shit. And everyone's like, good. We're never doing another one of these again. And it <laughs> took 20 fucking years for anyone to fucking touch it again. <laughs> Over 20 years. And we, 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 we are where we are now. The video game. The Look, video game. We have the went game. Through. We have the first movie. That's all I need in my life. Well, now you got the next movie coming out. So, and you're pretty excited for it. So Actually, like that you. is true. But again, you know, I'm content in my life with having those things in my life because they are so great. They're so perfect. They are what they are. They still hold up for me personally. The video games like soared high. 
right? Right. But like Icarus, they flew too close to the sun. They got a little burned right around the time that 3D games were, were getting hot on the PS1 and stuff like that. Fighters went through like this transition. You either stayed like Street Fighter and you, you increased the graphical powers, but you stayed very much like a 2D fighter uh, like Street Fighter has done. Or you tried to jump in. You try to jump in with your with both feet and go into the 3D realm. So you know, Street Fighter stayed 2D and continued its success and Mortal Kombat tried to dive into 3D which is all new mechanics you know you 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 have to now fight in a 3D space your character has to be able to move anywhere around this arena and the mechanics kind of suffered as a result of that for the very early on 3D also the the story just got a little convoluted some of the characters started getting too ridiculous but right around Mortal Kombat 4 it just wasn't good anymore. People weren't weren't in love with it anymore. I'm sure some of these games have their defenders, but it really wasn't until Mortal Kombat Nine that the series that the series started to pick up again. But really, you know, it was it was Mortal Kombat versus DC and Mortal Kombat Nine that kind of brought it back. And I I would say like if the popularity of the games didn't start to rise again when NeverRealm Studio took it up took it over from Midway, then we probably wouldn't be getting the movie that we're getting next week. Mm-hmm. So that's the tale of Mortal Kombat, an abridged version. And I am excited for this movie. It <laughs> looks really be. good. It you looks really it's, good. It's, you, there's not going to be a whole lot that you're going to have to do other than sit there, have <laughs> a beer. Yeah, go with the flow and watch, enjoy yourself. And watch some dope fights, dude. Like we already saw on the trailer for for this one that like that fight between Scorpion. I just and hope there's not that much exposition. You know, just like get be lean and mean, just like the first one. Just kind of get to it. You know, you don't have to be all right. Just just you know. just expect your audience to accept that this world exists yeah, in the way that it does. Exactly. And just move on with it. Exactly. Yeah. Don't don't belabor the point too much. So that's that's kind of that's that's the story of Mortal Kombat, little little both video game and and movie. Jay, let's get in to the last part of this of these episodes. Where I know this is a much this is a very fast uh, movie cocktail, but honestly, without Mark, yeah, we're we're, we're well without Mark, this is a long one <laughs> for a mini without, for a mini movie cocktail. This, if Mark was here, this would easily be close to a two hour episode. <laughs> wow, well, for sure. That's a We're whole sure. that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I already mentioned how how the how this movie did box office wise. Like it it, it was surprise hit for for uh, for the studio and for New Line Cinema. And one of the interesting things about it is Paul W S Anderson was so afraid that this movie was going to bomb because he had to do reshoots because they were actually writing the script on the set a lot of the time. You know, the movie wasn't like they 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 had a window where they had to start filming because they filmed in Thailand, and where they filmed in Thailand was so fucking remote that they had to take long canoes to get the cast and the crew and all the equipment onto this island sweet 
Yeah. I love that. Uh, so they actually had to build outhouses on this island for people to fucking dump <laughs> because no running water. This was an in, uh, this was an uninhabited Pacific island that they filmed this hmm. movie on. Yeah, that's, that's ballsy, especially for a first, first time filmmaker. Ooh. And that was in Thailand. So this is, this is Paul W.S. Anderson's first big budget movie. Um, you know, he, they, first off, they were supposed to film the entire movie there, but they quickly found out that the conditions were not optimal to do the entire movie there. And as I said, they had a small window to film this movie because if you know anything about the South Pacific, there's a rainy season. And when they were filming it, if it took too long, they were going to eventually be there for monsoons. And they wound up having to get out. They did do pickup shots in LA for some of the soundstage stuff. But originally, the animatronic of Goro... Uh, which was fully animatronic in this movie. I know, crazy, right? You guys, you guys have never seen animatronics like this. It's like, I'll be honest, it doesn't look great. But for the time, I think they did about as good as a Ninja Turtle th- in, in uh, Turtles at a Time. <laughs> it's the third Ninja Turtles movie. About as good as that. <laughs> Low budget for this movie. Um, n- not, not that high. But the animatronic never worked, like the shark in Jaws. It barely worked. It took a team of people to run this thing. I believe it was like 18 people. And originally, in that fight with Johnny Cage, when, it come, when, when Goro comes in, he's supposed to be surrounded by like ponds and stuff like that. It's supposed to be like this very thin platform that they're fighting on. It's surrounded by water. But they quickly realized that this animatronic is top-heavy. It's got thin little toothpick legs, and it's got four gigantic arms and a massive chest and a big-ass fucking skull. It's top-heavy, and it was prone to falling over. And since the animatronic was already barely working as it was, they decided it shouldn't travel to Thailand, and we should not put it anywhere near water. (laughs) So they wound up having to do... All manner, uh, like the movie was completely delayed because of that. And then they wound up doing reshoots because test audiences were kind of like, not enough fighting for this Mortal Kombat type movie. Mm -hmm. So Paul W.S. Anderson was extremely worried how this movie would do. So he went to Hawaii, a remote part of Hawaii. He did not go anywhere near anywhere where he could hear any news about how this film did on its premiere weekend. And he didn't find out until he returned that he had the number one movie three weeks running in the box office. I mean, I understand where he's coming from as far as like, you know, it's hit or miss. It's such a weird franchise. You're new to the industry. You don't know exactly how people are going to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and he had never done anything like this before. Um, Because of of the success, the studio immediately offers Paul W.S. Anderson the opportunity did a sequel and he was kind of like i don't i don't i don't think there's a story there you know I, I i think we we ended it i know we ended it on that cliffhanger that they made him do in reshoots but at the same time he wasn't interested in doing a sequel uh, a lot of the cast wasn't interested in doing a sequel when they get to the sequel we know that christopher lambert the whitewashed uh, raiden is gone and and he's been replaced we know that that johnny cage has left uh and uh, even sonia you know the actress who played sonia they're all gone so it, it's it's really just the actor who played Liu Kang who comes back, and then they, they build the movie around this one person with a really cobbled together script, and Paul W.S. Anderson wasn't interested in doing it, so instead he fucked off and went and made Event Horizon. And while he was making Event Horizon, he watched 
Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and he said to himself, I will never abandon a property again, which is why we wound up getting seven to eight Resident Evil movies from him, because if it was going to bomb, he wanted it to bomb. He wants those movies to bomb under him. He still wants it to be his vision that causes it to bomb. He never wanted to watch it get tarnished in the way that it did, and he's always regretted not doing it. I understand that. I respect that. Um, You know... You know, I think there's a lot behind that. I think there's one of those things where, like, you know, it takes a lot of wisdom, experience. You know, one of those things where, like, you know, you just don't know. You know, you don't know your own power. You don't know what you want to do when you're brand new into the industry, something like that. You know, but at the same time, you know, the mentality of it all, I fully grasp. I fully understand it, especially if you're a director. And especially if you feel like you're the first one to this industry, first one bringing this kind of content to the screen, you want to see it through from start to finish. It's your baby. Which and is why he wound up doing so many exactly, Resident Evils. Because exactly. It's not that he, he you know, I, 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 would, I would guarantee you he knew exactly the type of movies he was making. But sure. they had their fan base. Uh, and he has his fan base. Um, it, it's really not until you get to Monster Hunter, which just came out, that like everyone's like, yeah, dude, you're trash. You're trash, bro. <laughs> Sorry, just stop. He's not. He, he just he's needs not to, quite Yui Bowl, but he's pretty close to Yui Bowl at this he, point. He needs to get like uh, he needs a nice reset. He needs to oh, kind of yeah. I think it's time. Like I think the whole motto of it all. All right, buddy. You, yeah, you, you did it. Okay, I respect you. Congrats. You know, you're a man of your word. But take a couple years off. Separate yourself from everything, and I think you need to reassess what angle you want to approach filmmaking. Because I think you need to shift gears. Nah, he just wants to put his wife in something cool. That's what it seems like. I, on the surface, that's what it seems oh, like. He just a, wants to put his wife in something cool. Family situation. But again, yeah. she's so, aging out. She can't do that for so long. No. So, Jay, we talked about Jean-Claude Van Damme, JVD. We talked about him a little bit in, in the last segment. Um, so the character of Johnny Cage is essentially based off of Jean-Claude Van Damme. Of course. That's uh, split. Mo- Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Movie star, which is why the split was is one of his moves. Movie star, um, black belt gets drafted into this contest, essentially like yeah. Bloodsport. Frank big, Dukes, big uh, dick energy, yeah, for sure. Big dick energy, absolutely. For sure. <laughs> so uh, Jean Claude Van Damme actually turned down the role of Johnny Cage, even though the character is completely based on him. Um, the creator of the this is all like kind of like alternate casting stuff. The creator of the video game ed boone was on set for like everything the whole time he was there uh he really wanted this to be successful and also if you're the creator of the video game and this movie's coming out you know that your video game is going to start reaching a whole new audience after this he actually was the voice of scorpion for both the video game and the movie so that get over here that sounds exactly like it's from the video game is because ed boone did it (laughs) He was also involved in a lot of the rewrites and stuff like that. He was involved in a lot of the story. He he gave like his nod of approval for like the story changes that they made. And then around the six minute mark, Jay, the the or very early on in this movie, um, we we are introduced to Johnny Cage. He's on set of a movie and he's kind of walking off set. He's kind of bitching about the stuntmen that they got there and stuff like that. And he walks by a director, and that director looks an awful lot like Steven Spielberg, but it's not Steven Spielberg. But originally, it was supposed to be Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg agreed to do a cameo in this movie, but he was actually 
obligated somewhere else for a movie that he was making at the time and was unable to fulfill that promise of doing the cameo. So they just wound up getting an extra that looked somewhat like Steven Spielberg just to get the little nod that that's how big of a star Johnny Cage is, just in case you were wondering. Mm, I do like that. So Sony... Sonya Blade was played by Bridget Wilson Sampras, and the only other movie most people remember her from is Billy Madison. So she auditioned for this movie a bunch of times, and she was not getting the call back. They would just call her back to audition and audition. And since she hadn't gotten the role yet, she decided, fuck this. Fuck it. I am going to go do another movie. She went off. She did Billy Madison and the production moved off of her and they went towards Christina Applegate, who eventually decided not to do it. And Cameron Diaz, who was cast as Sonya Blade. She got the job and then she I broke her, her wrist. doing it. She broke her wrist during training. So that brought the production, which had been delayed at that point, not because of a broken wrist, but for many other reasons, mainly the Goro, <laughs> mainly the Goro animatronic, getting that up and running. And they went back to Bridget Wilson Sampras, and she got the job. Also, interesting enough. I uh, liked her, though. Yeah, so did I. Bridget Wilson Sampras uh, did all of her own stunts. She even dislocated her shoulder during the fight with uh, Kano. I kind of believe that uh, because it, she her fights were pretty slow. Like you could tell, like she wasn't a real fighter. You know, like she could tell right. she was an actress doing those kind of stunts. A lot of the other people of the in way this it was movie, shot. a lot of the other people in this movie uh, have have a background in fighting. You know, Christopher Lambert in two Highlander movies, in 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 several other action movies. So obviously, he has some fight training. Uh, then you got Robin Shaw, who plays Liu Kang. He is a black belt. Like he he in multiple martial arts. He also did the fight choreography for all of the reshoots because they they lost their fight choreographer during hmm. the reshoots. Then you had uh, Lyndon Ashby, who is a black belt himself, and you also Kerry Huwaki Tagawa, who you know is also has a fighting background. So like everybody in this has a fighting background, with the exception of. Bridget Wilson Sampras. So, but she did dislocate her her shoulder during that fight with Kano and the on-set doctor who was also a security guard on set, <laughs> very low budget, popped it back in for her and uh it didn't happen again. So, uh but Christopher Lambert was not the first choice to play Raiden. The production actually wanted to get his co-star from Highlander, none other than Sir Sean Gunnery. Listen here, Sean, your blade. I'll take mm. you back in the bun. I'll show you my octopushy. You show me your octopushy. You can see my lightning storm. <laughs> uh, that, that's, how, that's how Raiden would have been. He just would have hit on Sonya Blade the whole time. <laughs> I would too. She talks in her sleep. <laughs> uh, but he uh, ultimately turned it down because he said he would rather play golf. Literally, that's what he said. They're like, we got this movie. Here's what's going on. Here's the script. And he read it and he goes, it's all the shit. I'd rather play golf. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he would be up for all that high maintenance shit on the set going on those little canoes out to the remote island in Thailand. Ugh. I could see him being a little bit, you know, turned off from that. Yeah. Well, it's no, it's no red bikini, you know? <laughs> Like that outfit he wore. Shit, what the what's the fucking name of that movie? 
It doesn't matter. I can't even think of it. And it doesn't matter. I just know every time, every time someone talks about Sean Connery, there's always that picture of him in that like red, like strappy singlet that he wore <laughs> in that one movie. Um, so the character of Jax, uh, big favorite from the video games. Uh, he first appeared in Mortal Kombat 2, the video game without metal arms, appears in Mortal Kombat 3 with metal arms. Um, he is in this movie, briefly, he is one of the he is one of the unnamed soldiers that is with Sonya, Sonya Blade. Character was supposed to be in the movie, but they ultimately wound up cutting him. Uh, and the person they originally had scheduled to play him was Michael Ja White. You guys may know him from Black Dynamite, or uh, you may know him from the movie spawn but he eventually left doing this film to do uh the tyson biopic in 1995 so he once he left they decided just to kind of cut the character down to a very very brief small role that would not really be shown throughout the rest of the movie he ultimately didn't go to the island to fight with the rest of them uh like he was originally intended to and then Robin Show was not the first choice. Well, he was the first choice for Liu Kang, but he actually turned it down originally because he didn't want to be typecast as generic Asian martial artist, even though that is what the character is. But he did not want to be typecast as that. He wanted to he wanted to do something else. I mean, he had done the Jungle Book, I believe, prior to this, but he ultimately wound up taking it. But some of the other people that were on the list to play Liu Kang was Ernie Reyes Jr., uh, who you may know as the pizza boy from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the ooze and also jason scott lee no relation to bruce lee however he did pray he did play bruce lee in dragon legend of bruce lee and uh the character of Liu kang was 100 based off of bruce lee all his moves are based on bruce lee the way the character moves and bounces around is based on bruce lee in the video games so i thought that that would have been pretty neat if they got him but ultimately i was happy with the job that robin chow did and then finally, Jay, Karihiyoki Tagawa. He was the only choice that anybody in the production or Paul W.S. Anderson, anyone else involved with the film, he was the only choice to play Shang Tsung. He even came and auditioned in, a, in, in the Shang Tsung costume. And he read all of his lines while standing on a chair. So that way he lorded over everybody. Uh, and ultimately, his performance was so good as Shang Tsung. Ed Boon was so impressed that he decided for the second game and the third game, Shang Tsung would now be aged down to match this character more. And then we finally get to Mortal Kombat, I believe it's 10 or 11, and he reprises the role uh, for mocap for that game. And he essentially... He reinvented this character. Shang Tsung in the original game was an old man with a long white Fu Manchu beard, uh, long white hair, uh, wearing like this weird uh, blue robe. And it, it was just it was just old man. He was Pai Mei, essentially, from Kill Bill, just evil. And because of his performance in this movie, they completely changed the character to match him. Hmm. That's his contribution to Mortal Kombat. That's how good he was. <laughs> uh so uh it just just uh, it, it is you know j just some other fun facts like we, we we went through a lot of them up front but uh the the character of kano was originally in the original game written to be a japanese american uh however 
John Tobias, who played Kano in this movie. Ed Boon loved his Australian accent so much that he decided to change the backstory of Kano and make him Australian. He didn't even know that John Tobias was British and not Australian. John Tobias was given no direction on what to do for Kano, who had practically no speaking lines in the game whatsoever. He was told practically nothing about his backstory whatsoever. So he just decided to throw on an Australian accent. Ed Boone loved it so much that he changed the character to an Australian character. So again, someone else who actually changed the game as a result of this. Kudos. Yeah. And then finally, this film, as we said, went through a bunch of reshoots. Uh, so we talked about how, how the screenplay was was faithful to, to the original game more so, um, and that Reptile was not part of the film. But also there there was a scene where there, there, I mean there's there's another character in the in the movie who is also from Earth. He is one of the four fighters that was brought in from Earth. His name was Art Leon. Uh, he's the guy that kind of gets his chest crushed and then Shang Tsung uh, sucks his soul out. Um, and he's kind of left there, like with his skin, like com- completely pale. They were originally scripted to then have a a funeral for him with all of the characters mourning, and that was supposed to be like their earn this moment. Uh, they wound up cutting it because they felt like the movie would work better with a shorter runtime. Yeah, and of course we we talked about all the other stuff where where you know there was supposed to be more backstory, more more everything, but the studio ultimately decided that cutting it down, making this quick, don't give people too much time to question what you're doing is the way to go with it. Jay, final thoughts on Mortal Kombat 1995. Ah, oh boy, you know this is just like I think I said it in the beginning. You know this is just one of those great great pinnacle of nostalgic films for our generation, our age area group. Um, that just works. And it's just one of those things that it just does. And and you can't explain why we try to today, but it's just one of those things. If you experience it or you don't, you feel it or you don't, you know, you ride with it or you die with it. <laughs> and, <laughs> I love and uh, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just the way it is. So, you know, for them to have a resurgence with this franchise recently, which is kind of exciting, to be honest, and 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 for them to, you know, we talked about this over the last year or two, you know, have a film coming out soon that actually looks pretty authentic for what we kind of envision what Mortal Kombat is or should be in our own minds as What's players interesting from is, the beginning. Like, I think I think this is the best they could do with with the Mortal Kombat franchise for the day that this came out. However, I think with the games having advanced in graphics so much and the story having gotten deeper and richer and, and ultimately like like better writing on the story, even though it is very convoluted at this point, you can sift through that and still find some good story in there. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of like the modern Mortal Kombat and how that is very reminiscent of the modern Mortal Kombat games versus this Mortal Kombat, which is far more simplistic and basic and that's not an insult to it, like, like the original games were. I mean, the original game had eight fighters, you know? Now when you when you go to play the game, that you can choose up to 20 with multiple downloadable characters that you can get from multiple different genres. The Terminator has been has been playable in the Mortal Kombat games, you know? I mean, they, they crossed over with DC. Um, they've, they, they, they've brought They're in milking Predator. The cow. They've brought yeah. in uh, Freddy. They've brought in Jason. They've brought in, like, multiple people to come into 
to come into these games and stuff. And it's gotten so huge and it's so widespread at this point. Um, you know, it, it's it's far more complicated. It's far more uh, and it's, and it, Dave, it's a great far name. less niche. It's a great name and it's a marketable name. It works. It, it still holds up. It and the, and the so, symbol and everything about it, it still has this this untouchable thing that it's a we'll great be brand. Back next week when Mortal Kombat comes out. We'll have a review for it, and oh, maybe yeah. towards the end we'll do a little compare and contrast. Which one we prefer more? Is it is and hopefully, and, 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 and Dave, hopefully by then I will have my Sub Zero cocktail. But again, it does depend on Spidey senses. Yeah. If they if they well, come if you're back, you're not going to make or the not. Cut. If you're not going to make it, you let me know, and I'll get it done. Well, I have an <laughs> I, I do done. have an idea. I so promise people I could a new essentially. I could essentially play around with it, and then I will pass the buck over to you, and well, you'll 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 just take it over to the finish line. So, all right, that might be the 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 way we go about it. Perhaps we'll see. We'll Sounds see. Good. I have it on my so, calendar already. Literally, you know, next week? Question mark. Eight p.m. Try to make you know Sub Zero cocktail, and like you know, just you know, because I don't know. I mean, I mean, you know, I just I can't really make a cocktail if I can't taste. So yeah, we, we, um, we say next week, but really, it comes out on the twenty third. So we'll probably wind up recording our um, our review for it probably that weekend or early the next sure, week. So sure. it may actually be closer to two weeks that we get to that episode. But uh, so well, Jay, you you hopefully have some I got a couple more weeks, yeah, and I can get my senses back that'd be nice so that's gonna do it for super movie bros this week uh it's been a little while since we've gotten to do a movie cocktail very happy to get back in to the cocktail to, to the cocktail theme i've been talking with mark once we're once we're all vaccinated he is in he's ready to come back yeah we're it looks like i'm getting mine cocktail. next week actually um yeah. so i'm my, getting mine my first shot is tomorrow so i'm getting uh, to johnson and johnson so it'll be a one and done one and done. So we are we're trying to we still have season two of movie cocktail to finish out before we even get into season three. <laughs> season season two, I mean the where we left off last year, almost a year ago, where we left off, we had Sword and Sandals films. So we still have to do a vote for Sword and Sandals films. And then we are going to get into uh season three and then season three we have a completely new ball game which we will announce to everybody and people are it, it's going to be it's going to be completely different because uh, we, well, previously we've been doing a category and letting people pick from it this time around it's it's all us i don't want to hear jason complaining that he had to watch something he didn't want to watch <laughs> so these are all going to be movies from our personal favorite movies of all time list like our our desert island movies we're all going to get the cocktails for the movie cocktails that we've always wanted to do so because we've waited long enough god damn it <laughs> so we're gonna do it that way uh, i want to thank all of you guys for listening if you want to comment on anything we said in the show you know anything interesting about the mortal kombat movie or the mortal kombat video games or the upcoming mortal kombat film that you would like to share with us you can reach out to me on twitter at super movie pod i am on twitter j underscore smb facebook super movie bros podcast and instagram super movie bros and then of course we have a patreon so you can check out all of the additional content any of the pre-roll content plus 
some exclusive top fives. And you can also give us movie homeworks and stuff like that, like Duty did this week, where he actually made us watch a docu-series, Drive to Survive. You can head over to patreon.com slash Podcast, And for just $1 a month, you can get all the additional content that we put up over there. We're part of a network. We are part of the Age of Radio podcasting network. So head over to ageofradio.org and you can check out all of the shows that are part of the Age of Radio podcasting network. And you can get all Super Movie Bros episodes there on our page, uh, which has a nice handy little media player right there. You just click on an episode. It'll automatically play the next episode and the next and the next. You can binge Super Movie Bros. You can have Super Movie Bros all over your face, neck, and chest. You're going to love it. I want to thank all of you guys for listening. Have a great one. Cheers. Cheers.